hello dear fellow revolutionaries welcome back to the age unsquared podcast episode number three is warmed up and on deck just for you and yes it's me the original age coming at you again from the same place deep within the prairie land of canada back for more are you well that's just great thanks for coming back or maybe you're a newbie did you just jump right into this episode that's okay welcome to you too I welcome everyone, loyal and new listeners alike. Don't matter to me. I can't believe it's episode three already. It's so exciting to be rolling on in this new endeavor, and it's great that I have been getting some good preliminary feedback on this podcast. I really do appreciate all your insights and comments. What's that? Another piece of advice? Get on with it, I hear? Okay, okay. Time is of the essence. I get it, I get it. So what do I have on deck for you today? Let's see, I've got a story about the middle class in America, tuned up and ready to go for you. Yes, this is the USA, and yes, I live in Canada, but if you really think about it, many things that happen in the US do affect us Canadians as well, whether we like it or not. That will be followed up by another Netflix recommendation, but this time it's a documentary show that actually relates to the theme that we have here at Age Unsquared, as it relates directly to uh, investing, and yet another example of the strength and ingenuity of global banksters in separating you from your hard-earned money. But first, I hope you allow me to share with you uh, a recent personal experience, which I think uh, is very relevant not only to the subject matter of this episode, but to our general mission here at the podcast as well. I recently went to a funeral, and yes, I'm not trying to be a downer here, but I just think it's a good uh, experience to share with you. Uh, It was a funeral for a good friend uh, of our family, though he was particularly active in our community more so with my father. I had a couple of very uh, interesting points resurface in my mind during that service. I'm mainly sharing this with you here today because I think it's important for all of us to have a regular reminder of these points, but I also feel compelled to do so uh, as I find it to be a means to remind myself for posterity's sake so that I can recall them more regularly without the need to go to a funeral to do so. In reading the gentleman's uh, eulogy, and listening to it as well, I came to realize how much I thought I knew him, but I actually did not. It made me realize what a great opportunity I had squandered to really get to know him, to learn from him, and to pick his brilliant mind. I found that in today's go-go-go society, ever increasingly taking place in cyberspace and losing out Uh, on the personal touch of getting to know someone in the flesh, it really is easy to put off really connecting with people and really getting to know them. Unfortunately, it seems to take such an occurrence as a funeral to realize this. And to realize, once again, that something not done is more regrettable than something that is done. It's a reminder for us to review uh, what's really important to us and to be sure that we fill our dwindling time with those matters, and not necessarily filling our time with the dictates that society expects us to comply with. Also, having lost a father who never had a chance to, quote, retire, uh, the funeral sent another friendly reminder to me. Just for context purposes and a bit of background so you can follow along with me here, my father passed away just over a year away from his intended retirement. He was already in planning mode when he received his first diagnosis, and then he never got to see his retirement. He put in 25 years of work for his employer for what? He got so close to his golden years he could almost taste it 
and it was taken away from him. I know he always said that his family was the most important fruit of all of his labor, and I agree that that should be one's most important fruit of his or her labors, but it still must have been so hard to accept that he would never have a chance to live his golden years, so to speak, that most of his life was spent at the service of someone else. So it's another stark reminder that, as important as it is to plan for retirement and to be sure you have your financial resources lined up for your so-called golden years, you cannot overlook the balance and the significance of enjoying life in the here and the now. I know many financial advisors and planners always focus on the retirement aspect of financial planning, but there has to be a balance. You can't just uh, sacrifice today for tomorrow, but you shouldn't also have to sacrifice tomorrow for today. There has to be some kind of balance between the two. But enough about funerals already. Let's talk about middle-class America and Canada, because I'm pretty sure that this is going to apply to most, if not all of you listeners. So it was actually a few weeks back that I read a short article on the site Zero Hedge, which reminded me of a question that I'm uh, actually regularly asked as a financial planner, and I've been asked this through many years. If you think about it, much of us don't like to talk about keeping up with the Joneses, and we all say that we don't actually try to keep up with the Joneses, that we're trying to mind our own business. It is difficult for many people not to be at least just a little bit curious. How do I know this? Because of the questions that I've been asked many a times. How do they do it? Referring to other middle-class families, i.e. the Joneses or your neighbors, who are able to live life so large. For these people, it's even more baffling because they usually know an approximate average salary that the other family earns in the work that they do. Of course, that question always ultimately leads to another one. How come I can't extend my income to live life so large? The article I read on Zero Hedge titled Middle Class Melancholia answers that question. In reality, it's all a house of cards for those in the middle class that do live life large. These individuals and families have accepted the fact that to live so large, one needs to take on loads of debt. As the saying goes, they're mortgaging tomorrow to enjoy today. The reality is that even in this apparently so-called booming economy that we're constantly being told about and sold by mainstream media, many middle-class families, and this is in the US or in Canada, are barely scraping by, even with decent jobs and solid cash flow strategies. Now, there are many different factors playing into this, and we're not going to get into all of them here. But in reality, it is merely those that are controlling the economy and the regulatory bedfellows whom are prospering in this engineered economy we live in. But being fed the constant positive news about the economy from the mainstream media, it's no surprise that many of these middle-class families begin to doubt themselves and believe that something is wrong with them. I mean, really, if things are so strong and solid, why are we barely making it? What are we doing wrong? I'm one that has the growing belief that while it is easier to blame someone else for our misfortunes, we must always look into the mirror first and see what it is we are doing wrong and what can we do to improve ourselves to improve our own life. Frankly, no one should be responsible for your own fortune more than you yourself. However, when the game and its rules are quietly being rigged to keep the middle class down, out, and begging for mercy, it is fair and just to look externally for the source of the problem. Of course, this is also not to speak of the lower class, which itself has been pushed into utter dependence, but that's a topic for another time. In the Zero Hedge article, the author writes about an email he received from a reader. 
which gives a glimpse into the life of a married millennial couple in the U.S. with children and about their financial struggles. His purpose in sharing it, and I really think it's a great idea, is to show that if you're feeling like you can't make things work financially, guess what? You're not alone. You're not a schmuck for having difficulties in an apparently advertised strong and solid economy. While you can read the article, which I will link under today's episode blurb on our site, I will read you some important details from the email within the article right here. So first of all, quote, Unlike most millennials, we came into marriage with no debt and a decent savings. We have always lived on a strict budget that usually does not include clothing or eating out. Most of the time, it doesn't even include saving. We have never used a credit card. I am very frugal, shopping by what's on sale, buying in bulk, cooking from scratch, and often doing without. We eat beans more than anything else. We own one vehicle, and half the time have to borrow a car from family because ours breaks down and we don't have the money to fix it. Uh, the next quote here is, We also work hard growing a large garden and keeping a few animals for food. Unfortunately, we just can't make ends meet. We've used up all of our savings and haven't been able to replace it. Family members are giving us $500 to $1,000 every month, end quote. And to top it all off, the final quote I'll share with you here is, quote, but really, what are we supposed to do? Is there anything we can do to fix the mess our economy is in? Is there anything people like us can do to get out of this situation? Or is it just a hopeless downward spiral that's going to get worse and worse till we are living under our bridge? End quote. Again, while I believe that anyone that wants to change their own situation and condition can do so through their own accord, I also think and know that it helps to know that it's not a lonely game out there. Many others are also feeling like they're falling behind. It's just very rare to find anyone that's willing to admit it. Think about it. When you go talk to someone, is that the first thing they tell you? Oh yeah, by the way, I'm struggling financially. That would be an awkward conversation to have with you, but that's the reality. It's even more rare to find people willing to take the risk to make changes for the better, which is unfortunate, because some feel it is, quote, safer to keep things as it is. But, as I've been learning, and I was one of the worst offenders, so to speak, of this, we have to understand that life is all about risk and reward, to one degree or another. Those that want to live the high life without resorting to debt and criminality need to face the reality that it will take risks to make it happen. But if you think about it, it's also risky staying put with the status quo and just hoping that things just turn around in the economy just enough to make our simple lives easy. Bottom line, if you find yourself in the middle class of society, it's struggling financially, whether you're in the US or in Canada, know that you're not alone, but also realize that while only you can truly make real changes to your situation, you must be aware of your environment and the so-called rules of the game so that you can bend your reality to your moral advantage. Now, before launching into the final topic of the podcast, first, a word from our artistic sponsor. Well, it's that time of year again. The leaves are turning into an array of beautiful colors, and while the days are getting shorter, the sun is providing wonderful angles of light. It is with these colors and these angles that Images of Distinction Photography produces masterful photos. Whether you're looking to update your family portraits or need that master's touch to capture that once-in-a-lifetime event called your wedding, 
or maybe have a special office party to imprint for life, the professional photographers, no, the artists, at Images of Distinction will make the best impression for life. And now, for a limited time, for our listeners in the Edmonton area, until the end of October 2018, they're offering to do a free, yes, that's no charge, mini session for your family. Simply contact them, pick the time and place, and hopefully outside with the beautiful backdrops, and they'll make the magic for you. Does that sound overly dramatic to you? Well, I can guarantee you, this is me, the original age, speaking to you from my own experience. Images of Distinction has done fantastic work for me and my family over the years, and that's why I can speak from the heart and recommend their work. To take advantage of this limited time offer, go to www.agecorp.co images and complete the short contact form. I'll also include a link on today's show notes. I don't think you'll be sorry you took up this offer. The worst that happens is you spend a brief period of time outside with your family with some guy pointing his camera in your direction. So again, don't delay www.agecorp.co images. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Okay, so the previous section leads very well uh, into my next topic for discussion. And yes, this will be the second consecutive episode that I recommend a movie on Netflix. And I know at this rate, you're probably thinking that Netflix is paying me to promote them. Alas, comrades, such is not the case. I just watch a show from time to time, and if I think it's worth sharing with you, I will, especially if it fits well into the themes of this podcast. So the documentary on the docket, The China Hustle, was actually recommended to me by one of my business partners. And after watching it for the first time, Uh, I realized that while I believe there are holes in some of their arguments and perspectives, it's the overarching story that is more important to share with others. It's a documentary that even covers all five of our guiding principles here on the podcast. That's self-optimization, independence, capitalism, liberty, and integrity, on one level or another. It's especially noteworthy because it brings to attention another instance where the lowly investor has been left to fend once again for himself while the bankster bosses line their pockets. The best way to summarize the show is to paraphrase one of the quotes from it. It's a story about how even before the dust had settled from the 2008 financial meltdown, Wall Street was already cooking up another way to sell garbage as gold. Who would have thought? I know. It's about some shady business dealings with Chinese businesses that made those on the inside millions upon millions of dollars, though if you can believe it, The process of setting up the deals wasn't altogether illegal. It was just somewhat brilliant given the loophole found by the perpetrators. Yet when the scam was unearthed, those having bought in late, usually main streeters such as you and me, were left holding the bag of flaming dog poop with money having flamed out into thin air. And how much money? Well, it's estimated that private pensions and retirement funds lost over 14 billion, that's B billion, US dollars. I'm sure you're asking why I think it's important to listen and to watch this uh, movie. Well, let me tell you. First of all, it happened almost 10 years ago, yet from my point of view, its coverage in the mainstream media has been minimal at best. Number two, it underscores the importance of understanding that those selling you investment advice don't always have your best interest at heart. I know that's shocking as well. 
In fact, many of these same so-called experts don't even care enough to do their own due diligence before investing into these same companies on your behalf. As the saying goes, no one cares about your money as much as you do. Most only care about how to most efficiently extract the most amount from you with you none the wiser. The level to which many banksters and their associate gatekeepers care is so low, it may as well be non-existent. In fact, I even remember a time back in the 2011 and 12s when everyone was pushing to invest in China. Now I know why. We were told, you've got to sell these Asia mutual funds or these China mutual funds. Well, this show uh, gives a better explanation of why that was the case. It's also interesting to learn that private investors, not regulatory bodies, discovered this fraudulent activities. Yes, these private investors, they did cash in on the demise of the deals through a technique called short selling, also known as betting against the stocks in question. While some call short selling the dark side of investing, I've even heard people use the term parasitical activity, it carries an important function in weeding out such despicable dealings as this that do occur under the guise of legitimacy. And yes, short selling does hurt investors who do buy the stock, but only because these buyers did not do enough of their own due diligence to recognize the bad asset they were buying. Remember the Enron collapse? Well, some say it was actually a short seller that uncovered that debacle. And what about the big global banks? This is number four, for those that are keeping count. Did you know that they actually have provisions in their financial statements to pay penalties for fraudulent activity? Did you get that? They actually expect to pay fines for fraud. That means that they know that they're carrying out fraudulent activities. They're just not sure if they're going to be caught so better to have the money set aside to pay the fines and penalties than not to have it set aside. Besides, if they don't have to pay any fines in a particular year, it'll just boost their financial position and worth. And there goes that stock price climbing up again, and all of these senior executives getting richer and richer by the minute. And number five, get this. The Securities and Exchange Commission, also known as the SEC, even had financial filings from these companies complicit in the scam. Yes, I'm saying that the companies were actually following the so-called rules in completing the forms required to keep the regulators off their back. The only problem? The filings were full of bull doo-doo. Yet, no one at the SEC even noticed. These are the same people that are tasked with protecting investors, remember? Anyways, I could go on and on here, but I think you get the point by now. Since it's one of our goals to shine light on what really happens behind the scenes in the financial industrial complex, so that you can better maneuver your financial portfolio, I felt it only fitting to bring this documentary to your attention. I hope you take the time to consume that documentary. If nothing else, though I'm not sure if this will encourage or discourage you, one of the executive producers is Mark Cuban of Shark Tank and Davos Mavericks fame. But that does it for this episode of the podcast, doing its bit to unsquare the most number of people. Remember, if you want more unsquaring action, and maybe even a direct link to me, The Original Age, follow me on Facebook or Twitter, just find the handle at The Original Age. Also, jump on our email list, see www.agecorp.co, that's A-G-E-C-O-R-P.co, to get timely, and it's mostly on a weekly basis, updates on what we're doing. Oh, and just a reminder, have you picked up your piece of Emporium Age swag? And last but not least, 
Please remember, share this podcast with just three of your family and friends. Please don't be shy. Spread the age cheer. And of course, maybe one day, I'll have the honor of sitting at your kitchen table to help you with your financial matters as a member of our extended financial family. Until next week, stay safe, keep your integrity, and see you at the pinnacle.